The New Testament lesson for today is from Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 21. This can be found on page 1234 of your Pew Bible. This final chapter of Revelation is a prophetic promise of Jesus' return and a description of the eternal blessing that awaits those who worship and follow the Lord. A reading from Revelation chapter 22, beginning with the first verse. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, 
and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of this holy word. Whenever I feel tired or down or just like I could use some encouragement, I find myself going to the same place. This same thing. I know whenever I go there, it'll put a smile on my face. Now, you can probably guess what that place is. It's the Bible. I'm actually kidding. It's not the Bible. I'm not as spiritual as you all think. Although I love the Bible, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. The place I go to for encouragement to put a smile on my face is YouTube. And on YouTube, I look up one thing in particular. I look up military deployment homecoming videos. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever watched one of these deployment homecoming videos before. You've probably seen a clip of one on the news or maybe online. But they all follow a very similar pattern. They take place outside of a school or at a sports game or maybe in someone's front yard. And out of the corner of the frame, you witness this service member in uniform walking up to surprise their family from a long separation. And without fail, you witness children running to their mom or their dad after a long separation. And you get to see the joy and the tears on the faces of these children and on the faces of these spouses because mom or dad are home and everything's going to be okay. And by the way, I'm not the only one who enjoys watching these clips. On YouTube, there's some with 25, 30 million views. So there's other weird people like me out there. But why do we enjoy watching families reunited. Why do we get so much joy and satisfaction out of seeing fathers reunited with sons and daughters and mothers reunited with their children? I think one reason we get so much joy and satisfaction from these reuniting clips is that in them we witness a restoration of the way things were meant to be. You see, deployments are not natural. Because God never meant for families to be separated for an extended period of time. And in these clips where we see these families come back together, we actually witness a restoration of the created order. We witness things the way God meant for them to be. As we look out on our world today, we see a world that is not as God originally intended We see wars and famine and death and hurricanes and fires and earthquakes. And by the way, that's just this month. We see all these things that God did not originally intend. 
And the good news that we're going to see in Revelation chapter 22 this morning is just like mommy or daddy coming back to restore the created order after a time away, Jesus is coming back. But he's not coming back to only restore the created order for one family. No, he's coming back to restore the created order for all of creation. He's coming back to make all wrongs right. So where are we in scripture this morning? We're in Revelation chapter 22. This is the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. We're finishing our three-year chronological study through all of scripture. Congratulations, you made it. Also, I want to thank Pastor Nathan, who's on vacation. Thank you for trusting me with being the closer today. You might regret it, by the way. But we're in Revelation 22, and and what we're witnessing is a vision, a vision of John, the disciple. In the chapter before our reading this morning, John is having a vision of the new heaven and the new earth. And this chapter begins with the verse where God says, Behold, I am making all things new. And now in Revelation 22, John is walking through the new earth. And he comes to the capital of the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And he's in the center of the city. And that's what we're witnessing this morning is John's vision of the capital city of the new earth and what he sees there. And what we're going to see specifically in this vision this morning is that at the end of all things, God has a promise a plan, a warning, and an invitation for all people. God has a promise, a plan, a warning, and an invitation for all people. So let's take a look at his promise, starting in verse 1. It says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the city, or of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with, each, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So John is walking through this new Jerusalem. He's at the city center, and he sees this beautiful, pure river flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It says this river is filled with the water of life. And on either side of the river, we see the tree of life producing 12 different kinds of fruit. So just imagine with me for a moment a huge tree with 12 different types of fruit with mangoes and apples and peaches and avocados and you name it, I can't think of 12 right now, but 12 types of fruit. This gives me some hope that I think there might be eating in the next life. Can I get an amen there? So he sees this tree that's providing this fruit, but it also says this, that its leaves are giving healing of the nations. Note the universal aspect of this healing. It doesn't say this tree is providing healing for only Protestant evangelical Christians. It doesn't say this tree is only providing healing for Americans or for people who vote like you or look like you. No, it says this tree 
is providing healing of the nations. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think the nations could use some healing today? Do you think our nation could use some healing today? I can hear the resounding cry in the sanctuary. So how is God going to bring this healing? Well, we get a clue in verse 3. It says this, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. This universal healing, it's available to the nations because there's no more curse. The curse has been removed in the new Jerusalem. In just a couple weeks, you're going to hear more about this curse as we read Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to see that our original ancestors, our original parents, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Instead of following his will, they chose their own and ended up being cursed along with all of creation. And the curse that Adam and Eve received, that all of creation received, was threefold. So there was a physical aspect to the curse. We get older and we die. Women were now to have pain in childbirth. There was a relational aspect to the curse. Men and women would now fight in the home. There would also be fighting with one another outside of them. There was a broken relationship between man and God. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. And there was also a vocational curse. Instead of being able to walk around the garden and pick whatever fruit you want. Oh, that sounds so nice, right? They had to till the soil by the sweat of their brow to grow food to eat. And John says right here in the new Jerusalem, in the new creation, that there will no longer be a curse. In other words, the physical, relational, and vocational curses, they'll all be gone. They'll all be gone. Can you imagine a society with no physical, relational, or vocational pain? Well, that's what the New Jerusalem will look like. That's what we're waiting for. So how are these curses removed? Well, these curses are removed by what we learn in Scripture, by what the Apostle Paul reminds us about Jesus. He says, Jesus, he became the curse for us. You see, he received the penalty of Adam and Eve and our own rebellion. He became that curse on the cross. And in the movement of the cross, not only did he receive our curse, but we then received his righteousness. This is why there can be healing for the nations in the new Jerusalem. Now, having no physical, relational, or vocational problems, it sounds pretty amazing, right? That's a pretty awesome promise. So how is God going to accomplish this promise? Well, he's going to accomplish it with his planned return. So let's take a look at that in verses 6 and 7. It says this, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So how is this accomplished? Well, it's accomplished through the return of Jesus. This passage says he is coming back. He is coming soon to bring restoration and healing. When Jesus returns, he will return to make all wrongs right. Jesus is and always has been God's plan for restoration. 
This is why we as Christians talk about living in the now but not yet. Because we're living between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. We're living between his crucifixion and resurrection and return. This is why through the presence of the Holy Spirit we can witness some of these aspects of the new Jerusalem. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit we see healing, physical healing. We see restoration of marriages and families. But we don't see this promise fully consummated. And we won't until Jesus returns. Now, there's all kinds of arguments about when and how and where Jesus will return. Nathan talked a little bit about this last week. He called himself a pan-millennial, that all things would pan out in the end is what he believes. I tend to agree with him. But when you go to seminary, you have all these classes about eschatology. And seminarians, they're famous for just arguing about the eschatology, the end times, how it's going to work. And I heard this story once of all these seminarians arguing in a class. Their professor, he asked them one question. What is Jesus going to say when he returns? And they had all these incredible ideas, right? Some of them said, well, he's going to say, worship me. It's all going to be about worship. Others said, uh, well, he's going to say, I am Lord. It's going to be all about his lordship when he returns. But there was one student in the back of the class that remained quiet. This student, he didn't speak at all. He had grown up in a country that had gone through horrific genocide. He had lived through hell. And the teacher finally got him to share. And he said, enough. And everybody sat around the class and they thought, enough? What is he talking about? And he finally said, Enough. Enough war. Enough murder. Enough death. Enough slavery. Enough abuse. Enough self-righteousness. Enough. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for enough. I'm ready. Jesus, when he comes back, he will be the one to make all things right. He was and is always the plan. So what is he going to do to make all things right? Well, he's going to bring justice when he returns, which brings us to the warning in our passage. Not only does God have a promise and a plan, but he also has a warning for all people. Let's take a look at that warning starting in verse 10. It says this. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. In other words, don't shut the Bible. Keep talking about the Bible because Jesus is coming back. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So here's the warning. Jesus is coming back. 
He's coming back. And when he does to bring restoration to all things, some people are going to be left out. That's what it says right here in verse 15. Did you see that? It says, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Honestly, I wish that this verse wasn't in the Bible, but it is. It's there. So what's the implication of this warning that some will be left out? Well, the implication is simple. We can't assume that we have time. We can't say to ourselves, one day I'll come to Jesus when I get my life together. We have time until we don't have time. This is why the Bible says the day of salvation is today. There's no better time than the present. That's why if you're here this morning or watching online and you have not declared with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you have not repented and turned from your sin, today is the day. There's no better time than now. As some of you know, I am an Army Reserve chaplain and just over two years ago, I was in the Middle East. I was all over the place, but... I spent some time in Afghanistan doing ministry for the army. Needless to say, I've been watching what's happening the past two weeks with absolute heartache. Absolute heartache. Please continue to pray for our soldiers and all the people trying to escape Afghanistan. But what I've noticed is the absolute chaos that's happening around that Kabul airport in Afghanistan. It's a metaphor It's a metaphor for what the end is going to look like. You see, these people are trying to get out of Afghanistan and they will do whatever it takes because they know that hell is coming. They would rather stand there and put their lives at risk to be bombed waiting in line to get out than wait because they know hell is coming. And this is the way the end will be when Jesus returns. Many will come to him, but it will be too late. It'll be too late. This is why we talk about Christ every Sunday at this church. This is why we can't emphasize this cross enough. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the only one who can save. This is why we have a pastor of evangelism and discipleship. This is why I'm going to be on the street corner in Stamford tonight at 5 p.m. telling people about Jesus. This is why we support mission partners all over the world. Because we want everyone to have an opportunity to repent in this life. We want everyone to have an opportunity to come to him. We want all to turn. And so does God. That's his desire. That all would repent and walk with him. And that's what we see at the end of our passage today. Luckily, our passage doesn't end with a warning. I know uh, some of you are like, Pastor, that's really a kind of a Debbie Downer. Thanks for that. But the Bible, it doesn't end with a warning. It actually ends with an invitation, an invitation for all people. In verse 17, the invitation says this. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. 
the invitation is universal. It doesn't say, let the one who prays five times a day come. Or let the one that comes to church on Sunday come. Or let the one that has their life together come. No, all it says is let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who hears come. Let the one who desires come. This invitation is universal. So here's the deal. Max, if you could put back up verse 15, that verse that scared all of us. Uh, Verse 15 says, Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who practices falsehood. So a minute ago, we read that verse, and we thought to ourselves, oh, these are the people that don't get in. But here's the good news. There will be many in the new Jerusalem that have committed all of these sins and worse. There will be many that were all of these things. So how will they get in? Well, they'll get in because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. They'll get in because at some point in life they turned to Christ and they were saved and washed over by his blood. They may have been one or all of these things at one time, but there came a point when they repented and turned to him. And he forgave them. And their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Not because of anything they did, but because of what Jesus did for them. Friends, the invitation for all of us this morning is simple. Let us turn to him. Let us repent. Just like that father that's returning to embrace his children at the end of that deployment, Christ is waiting to embrace each and every one of you. All he asks is that you turn to him. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to do so this morning. In a moment, I'm going to have you pray a simple prayer after me. There's nothing magical about this prayer. But in this prayer, we simply declare that we are sinful and that we need forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. So feel free as the Lord leads to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I now turn from my sin toward you. I trust and surrender myself to you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I invite you to find one of us pastors after the service. Uh, We would love to follow up with you on your next steps. And welcome to the kingdom and to the new Jerusalem. Thanks be to God.